Hello, I'm Aaron from Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. I'm attending this week's Gen Con in Indianapolis. If you're there in Indy too, give me a shout and let's talk about comics and capture some sound for the podcast. You can contact me on Twitter. My Twitter name is Aaron Head. A-R-O-N-H-E-A-D. Because I'm awesome that way, I've got a link in the show notes for you. For those pitiful, wretched souls who won't be at Gen Con, check the site every day. Heck, check it several times a day, because I'll be live-blogging the event at ideologyofmadness.com. Play hard, my friends. Play hard. I'm Aaron. And I'm Polly. It's another exciting week here at the podcast. Uh, episode six this week. Are we episode six? We yeah. are episode six. Episode six. Or I lost ep- count after two. Do you, do you like six, Paul? Is six good for you? Six works. Yeah. Hot and sweaty six. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're off to okay. a good start. <laughs> <laughs> so how's it going? Oh, uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, it was my wife's birthday this week. Ah, very cool. Did you buy her some comics? I did not. That would not have gone over well. But, you know, I was out uh, buying her a greeting card, which I always find to be a rather soul-crushing endeavor. You know, it's one of the things I I hate most in the world doing is buying, you know, a greeting card and trying to find a message that kind of matches what you're feeling. And, uh, you know, normally I'll buy a blank card and fill it out myself just because I can't stand so much of the the messaging out there. I was shopping for greeting cards and, you know, I was kind of, you know, looking around at more children-centric birthday cards because they had the superheroes and whatnot on them. And something that I I guess it's never really struck me before, but that you'll only find Spider-Man on the greeting cards for boys and you'll only find Wonder Woman on the greeting cards for girls. And I just sense. Well, I don't know. I think that's a little weird. You know, I why does why does it why did the genitalia have to match up for greeting cards? <laughs> you know? I, in fact, I think as a boy, I would have liked a Wonder Woman card. You know, because you know she was kind of pleasing to the eye. I, well, it depends on your age, I guess. Maybe. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I just think it's kind of weird. I think it's kind of weird that it's just you know boys for boys and girls for girls. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Just saying. saying. Well, then you need to uh, invent, invent, invent a new greeting card. Well, I'm thinking that you know uh, who's that? Fairchild from Gen 13 needs to be on all the boy greeting cards. (laughs) Danger Girl boy. uh, (laughs) Yeah, Scott was that Scott Campbell. Yeah, Scott Scott Campbell greeting cards for Danger Girl. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm there. (laughs) <laughs> so how about you paul well you know it's kind of funny that you mentioned greeting cards because I, I love barnes and noble i know there are people out there who hate barnes and noble and as someone who's trying to break into the publishing industry i should probably hate barnes and noble uh because in general the publishing industry does not favor barnes and noble right but um 
you know, whenever we go to Barnes to Barnes and Noble, my wife she goes and looks at the greeting cards and the stationery and stuff like that. You know, in this massive bookstore, that's where she migrates. <laughs> um, you know, but I went looking for graphic novels, just kind of looking around, seeing what was new. You know, I, I could probably get them cheaper on Amazon, or you know, should support my local comic book store. But nah, just kind of looking around. And on the way out, I came across a graphic novel. Well, a couple of graphic novels in the um, the bargain bins, oh, really? which I've never really seen before. Yeah, I've not seen them there before either. Yeah, they had. Um, I picked up Fallen Sun, the Death of Captain America. Yeah, because uh, I only picked up like one or two of those when they came out by right. uh, Jeff Loeb. This was back when Cap died, and they did right. that little mini series. You had like Spider Man and Wolverine and all those guys mourning the loss of uh, of Captain America. That's what that was. It was by Jeff Loeb, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah. And uh, you know, some pretty great artists. But it was six bucks for the hardcover, wow. which is normally twenty bucks cover price. Wow. And they had um, they had a couple more, you know. I was saving the funds, but they also had the uh, the death of Captain Stacy, the Spider Man one. Yeah. So I mean, I'm wondering if Marvel might have some type of deal. I know they just put out a new printing of the Fallen Sun uh, paperback, or yeah. you know, um, hardcover actually, with a new cover and everything, probably in conjunction with Captain America Reborn. Mm-hmm. And so I guess they're trying to get rid of the old inventory. But I mean, they, the the death of Captain Stacy—that's a relatively new book. I know that's less than a year old. Yeah, you know, and that was about the same price, six, seven bucks. Well, you know, the the way a lot of the that bargain stuff tracks is that once the the hardcover print run has expired, and they're getting ready to go to a softback or a different edition. They'll put those out there in the bargains. It's just you don't generally see such a deep printing of the of the graphic novels that they can put them out there in the bargain bin. Well, that's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah. I, I was very surprised because it's such a rare occurrence. But now I'm going to check. You know, every time I go to Barnes hell, and Noble, hell, I'm, you never I, I may have to make a trip up to Barnes and Noble today. Yeah. <laughs> and just it would, take it would a be look. nice to see some DC stuff in there. But you know, I mean, Marvel, yeah. you know, gives me a chance to catch up. I like I said, I'd only read the first two issues of Fallen Sun. I didn't think entirely much of it. Right. But you know, the, there are three more issues past that, so I thought I'd give it a shot. Yeah. Wow, outstanding. Well, you know, while I was uh, uh, buying a greeting card for my wife or, you know, agonizing over purchasing a greeting <laughs> card for my wife, uh, I did notice that the new Hallmark ornaments have come out for the year. Ah. And, you know, for, for 2009, and they've got some really nice comic-themed uh, Christmas ornaments this year. Like, for instance, they had a Captain America, a traditional Steve Rogers Captain America uh, Hallmark ornament, and they had a Wolverine Hallmark ornament, and then some just beautiful DC ornaments. They had a Flash, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman ornament, and the Batman ornament is really quite breathtaking in that, uh, you know, it's a, ra- a rather, I'd call it a traditional 70s rendering of, of Superman, where mm-hmm. the, the suit's gray and uh, the boots and cowl and cape are, are, are blue. Um, has the oval bat symbol on it, but the, the cape is all just flying up behind him in, in a, in a very dramatic sort of flare. Uh, really very nicely rendered. I'm rather excited about those. I don't, I don't know what your Christmas tree looks like, Paul, but mine has the Hulk on it and Spider-Man on it and Superman on it and all manner of Star Trek spaceships. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we, uh, we take turns. We alternate because my wife, you know, is big into the theme trees. Right. And uh, so every year we change up our theme. But, you know, at first it was one tree. Now there's 
two big trees and about three or four, four smaller trees. Uh. I mean, there's a tree in every room of the house, including my office. I don't know how that happened. Um, and the bathroom. Yes, there's a little tree in the bathroom. <laughs> so last year was her turn for to choose the big tree theme. Right. Um, and this year's my turn. And, you know, I want to go with superheroes, you know, and I, I'm happy to hear that there are some good ones this year. But there are typically not many good ones. I mean, there, a lot of them kind of look cheesy and crappy. Right. Um, in the past, anyway. But, you know, so this year I chose Peanuts, like Charlie Brown. Peanuts. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. actual peanuts. We're not going to hang peanuts from the tree. <laughs> Mr. Salty. <laughs> That's a cheap uh, cheap uh, ornament theme. Just buy a can of peanuts and there some you go. fishing wire. There you go. Yeah, but so we're going to do Charlie Brown this year. But I've been saving up. I have a small box. It's getting bigger. It gets bigger every year of superhero ornaments. And one day, I'm going to have my superhero tree. Well, you know, like I said, my, we, we've got... Uh, two trees in my house. We have my wife's tree and my tree. And, you know, my wife's tree is very traditional, you know, very Christmassy, you know, uh, themed ornaments. Whereas mine has got, you know, like I said, superheroes. And, uh, you know, nothing says Christmas quite like the Incredible Hulk or the Imperial Death Star. <laughs> I agree. I agree. You just put a little Santa hat on the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Hulk smash. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you know, Christmas is right around the corner, folks. You know, before uh, you know it, me. I know you got to start, got to start uh, putting those uh, Christmas lists together now. Yes, exactly. I've already added some things to my Christmas list. Oh God, <laughs> they're all, they're all. I actually have a Christmas list, and I, what is this? Well, it's August, so we can't really call this our Christmas in July episode, right? Um, we could say we recorded it in July, <laughs> but that would be a lie, Paul. <laughs> that would be a lie, a and it's wrong. Lie to lie to your listeners. I agree. I, I, agree. I shouldn't have to tell you this. <laughs> <laughs> but you do every day. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, what were we talking about? Oh, Christmas lists. Yeah. I, I started up a Christmas list because I used to have a relative who only got me stuff from the men's section at Bath and Body Works. <laughs> For Easter. <laughs> yeah. I'd get an Easter basket and then... I'd get a Christmas gift, and it was the exact same stuff. She just assumed that I would go through it, you know, in a couple of months. And I didn't. You know, I mean, there's only one – there's like two shelves of men's stuff at uh, Bath and Body Works. And, you know, she'd pretty much get me like an entire run of one scent. You know, and I can't go through a scent in six months. I really can't. Um, especially, you know, body wash – Sense. Well, I mean, plus, so, plus you're, you're already wearing that Axe body spray anyway. So exactly, you know, I, I can't, I can't overdo it because you know I need the the Axe effect. That's right. But <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I started putting together a, a together a Christmas list, and uh, I started getting better Christmas gifts. Ah. Now I will say, the first year I was I, <laughs> I, I was pissed because I put Jaws in DVD on my Christmas list. Right. And I got Jaws in DV- on DVD, but in full screen. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, you Garbage. know, I've had to I've had to educate my wife on that subject. Yeah, you so know, that- you know, I learned my lesson. I started actually putting widescreen on everything. But you know, as the years went on, I wised up and I said, "Okay, no more Christmas list. You guys get it." So one year, I tried not doing it, and mm-hmm. everyone got mad at me. We don't know what to get you. <laughs> blah blah blah. 
So, you know, I've instituted the Christmas list again, and it's basically a list of things I promise not to buy for myself before Christmas. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I, my wife will put me on a spending moratorium. Uh, generally at the conclusion of September, I'm not allowed to, you know, buy anything beyond my weekly comics, that kind of thing, because she's out there shopping for me. And she doesn't want to have to continually update, okay, what did he get for himself now? <laughs> so, yeah, I understand. You know, it's that whole list of, I promise not to go get these things. Yeah, exactly. You know, and this year, I think there's, because of our website and because of our podcast, you know, I think there are going to be a lot of graphic novels on the website, on the uh, Christmas list this oh, year. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's, let's stick in the moment. In the moment. Let's not, Christmas let's, is too far away. Let's live in the now. Is that what you're let's saying? Live in, yeah, live in the now. All right. Well, we yeah. read comic books this week. That's what we did now. We did. We did. And I will say it, it was kind of a mediocre week overall. Now, I you thought, know, I, when you say things like that, it just hurts me. Aw. Uh, you know, I, 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 I absolutely loved Cry for Justice number two. You know, we you, talked about Cry for Justice number one on uh, – uh, one of our earlier podcasts, I think it may have even been our first or second podcast, and I, I was just wild about this book this week. You know, I I liked it. You know, I, I said, um, in fact, I think this was our first show because I said I probably wouldn't stick with it, mm-hmm. but because of our because I wanted to talk about it today, I did <laughs> purchase it, uh-huh. um, and I thought it was better than the first issue. I thought it was much better than the first issue. Whereas the first issue felt like little vignettes to me, not really related. Uh This one actually seemed like an actual story. Well, yeah, I I think in this this issue, you can really see how some of this stuff is starting to come together. You know, in the first issue, you're absolutely right. It was just slices. And you're like, well, what the hell? I mean, I still really liked it because I liked the the, uh, dialogue and I loved the artwork. um, And I thought both of those went together really well. There are still some items in the book that I'm just not kind of sure what's going on. But, you know, I've got faith in James Robinson. I think he's going to uh, show us that, you know, all of this stuff is meaningful as we move along. Yeah. And, you know, it's a seven issue miniseries, you know, so it has a little bit of time to ramp up and get moving. And two issues in, I was a little disappointed because there was fighting. There was action. Yeah. But it was mostly off screen. Yeah. Or off comic, off panel. But you have to enjoy that action scene between, you know, Kong Gorilla and Starman. Yes, I did enjoy that actually. I mean, that was that was pretty awesome. And I you know, it was kinda of funny as I mean it's what, three pages in and you know, I'm seeing that going, Well, what the hell? <laughs> <You> <laughs> How, how did these two guys get together? And you know, but I mean, the action is is very well revealed. It's very well painted on the page. And good night, this thing is beautiful. It really is. I, 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 I am almost speechless about how beautiful this book is. And it's, it's strange, you know, because last week we just went on and on about, you know, Detective Comics 855 and how beautiful Batwoman and, and that book is rendered. And wow, DC's got it going on. Yeah. You know, and what's kind of funny, because Marvel has some great artists, don't get me wrong. Marvel oh, yeah. really does has some spectacular artists. But if you think about some of the... The bigger names in art right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, DC has a, has a ton of really great talent between J. H. Williams and Mauro Cascioli or Cascioli. You know, a Jim Lee works for DC Comics. It's yeah. you know they have some really great artists in their arsenal, I guess. 
Yeah. Um, and yet, you're right. This was a beautiful book, and not only you know was the the first story, like I said, better than the first. I'm 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 still not a believer, but I'm a I'm enough that I'll I'll give I'm gonna keep going with it. Uh huh. But. You know, it didn't have necessarily a co-feature, but it did have a backup. You know, uh, are you talking about the the essay, or are you talking about the Magog story? I'm talking about actually, I'm talking about the essay, which I thought was yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah, um, I, same here. I, I and you know, we had commented on that the first time that the uh, kind of like the making of the book was really a nice feature in issue one. So it looks like this 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 essay is something that they're going to carry on throughout the series. Yeah, and you know, I hope. For the rest of the series, I'd actually be interested in more little essays. And for those who don't know what we're talking about, who haven't picked up the book yet, at the end of the book, there's a couple of pages where James Robinson talks about the history of the Adam and why he loves the Adam and, you know, why he chose the Adam, uh, Ray Palmer Adam, as part of the team. And it includes a little origin, uh, a little two page origin piece um, with art by Mark Bagley. But, yeah. you know, it, I thought it was a really well-written essay. I thought it was interesting. And I'd be interested in, you know, with five more issues to go, if he did a p- little piece on everyone in the team. Yeah, You know, because absolutely. some of them I don't know much about. Yeah. Uh, I don't know anything about Starman or Kongorilla. You know, I know a lot about Shazam or Captain Marvel. Right. You know, but it, it would be very interesting to see more pieces like that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, the the big guys on the team, like Green Arrow and Green Lantern, we know all about those guys. And certainly, you know, Supergirl. But, you know, you, you get into, to, like you said, Kongorilla and then the alien Starman. Uh, I, 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 I love those, those, those kind of essays, that kind of insight into why the writer chose these characters, why these guys, you know, interested him. So, you know, and I, I kind of feel like I, I know why he's interested in the alien Starman because he wrote the other Starman books for so long. So mm-hmm. it's probably like a little bit of a homecoming, but still, you know, I really love those kind of windows into the creative process. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to continue reading this book. And again, stunningly beautiful. Yeah. And you know, not only was that good, but you know, the, the actual, you know, you mentioned the Magog, which was in all of DC's books this week. Right. Um, it's a pre uh, preview of a spinoff. I guess it's a mini series. Uh, featuring Magog from uh, Kingdom Come, well, the Kingdom Come storyline from Justice yeah. Society of America. Right. What did you think of that? You know, it, I don't know, I, it's not anything that made me say, ooh, I've got to go read that. It reminded me a lot of the, the Thy Kingdom Come storyline in, in, mm-hmm. in JSA. I don't know if I'm going to pick it up or not. I, I, I'm, I haven't warmed up to the character of Magog. Um, and while I really enjoyed that series in Justice Society, I had I I was not thrilled with the origin of his character, you know, and it just didn't seem you know he he went from being this real uh, red white and blue kind of Steve Rogers Captain America almost kind of character to turning into Magog and I don't know I just the character's not I haven't warmed up to him yet but I might give it a try. It's written by Keith Geffen, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, the yeah. art was, I thought, pretty decent too by Howard Porter. Oh yeah, yeah, and I really like Keith Geffen, so uh, you know I'll, I'll give it a try just just because of the uh, the marquee. But I thought Justice League: Cry for Justice uh, was was really very good. Yeah, uh, I am I am obviously still on, and you apparently are tentatively still on. I am I am I am on for another issue. Okay. One thing that I am done with. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm done with it. I am done with Captain America Reborn after number two. 
it was pretty bad. It was awful. It was absolutely yeah. awful. You know, it, yeah. this is, you know, Captain America Reborn number two from Marvel Comics. It's issue two of five. Literally, if you've read issue one, you can probably skip to issue number three because <laughs> nothing new happens in issue two. Yeah. Surprisingly, nothing happens in this book. I mean, there's a bunch of Steve Rogers going, huh, I don't understand what's going on. And Which John happened at the end of issue one. Yeah, and here's something that kind of amuses me is um, character is, is is traveling through time. He, he, he realizes that he has experienced these events before. He knows how the events are going to play out. He, there are awful events in some circumstances. He makes the choice not to change the outcome because he's afraid of, of messing up the timeline. Yeah. And, and I'm just like, I, that seems like a kind of a crazy decision. I mean, if you're, if you're watching someone be murdered, you know, uh, isn't it incumbent on you to go ahead and change that given the opportunity? Yeah. I mean, and not only that, I, I, if to me, it didn't feel like so much of an excuse. I mean, you know, it felt like that, of course, but it also felt kind of like an excuse in, uh, for them to have Brian Hitch redraw, like, Cap's origin. Yeah. I mean, that's that's literally all it felt like. Well, I can't change anything, so it's going to happen exactly like it happened before. You know, so, you know, they, they can do their, um, you know, their revamp of his origin. Right. You know, because it is a little different from the other. I mean, it, it's the same, but it's laid out differently. You know, right. the, the room is bigger and fancier, blah, blah, blah. You know, so... You get about, you know, because this is an extra length comic. It's not your typical 20-something pages, 22 pages, I think. You know, it's a little longer. So you have Cap stuck in time, which we knew at the end, you know, and confused, which happened at the end of the first issue. And Bucky, um, Bucky Captain America with Black Widow captured by Norman Osborn. You know, so obviously Norman Osborn has something to do with it. Again, which you knew at the end of the first issue. So it was basically... You know, a bunch of flash to get to the exact same point that you were at the last page of issue one. Yeah, you know, it seemed kind of like the way some television series will go. You know, you'll have a pilot episode, Mm -hmm. and then the second episode will be kind of restating the scenario in the pilot episode. Yeah, exactly. That's what this this that's what this felt like to me. And this is a miniseries. Yeah, (laughs) this is only five issues. You know, something needed needs to happen for the story to move forward. Yeah. And yeah, the, the 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 only thing that I liked about the book is the cover with uh, you know Captain America choking Hitler, <laughs> you know, which you know is always nice to see. But the rest of the book, I, I sat there reading this, going, I should really be enjoying this more. Yeah, I you know, and I wanted to, I really yeah. wanted to, but because I love Captain America, I like some of the things that Brubaker has done with him, you know. And one of my favorite things is seeing Captain America. In World War II. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Brian Hitch has got such a great way of drawing Captain America. I mean, I just, I, I never get tired of watching, you know, Hitch draw Captain America. And, you know, being, watch, seeing some of those old characters that he used to fight, you know, like uh, Master Man and, and, you know, all those Nazis and whatnot. I mean, there's just nothing as far as just you know, good fun in your comic is watching Captain America beat the snot out of Nazis. There's just nothing better than that in comics. I but should they have managed. Oh, go ahead. They managed to screw it up. I should yeah, have loved this book. I should have. Yeah. I, I should have gone through this book going, "Oh yeah, this is great." 
but I didn't. I sat there going, where's the story? Yeah, exactly. There, like I, it, it just it felt like a waste. It felt well, like a waste of four dollars and a waste of my time. Well, and I'd like to point out, it's a dark rain book. Yes, this is it really is. a dark rain book without a dark rain banner, and they suckered me into buying it without putting the banner on there. That's true because it involves quite heavily the Dark Avengers yeah. and Norman Osborn, you know, who has thus far had nothing to do. With the Cap storyline. Yes, I mean, you know, Cap went into Civil War, you know, but, you know, the the Dark Reign, you know, it it just, it hasn't had much to do at all with the Cap stuff, and it just kind of, I don't know, I felt felt cheated. I, I feel cheated, and at the end of the five months, I'll see if I buy it in trade. If they have it at Barnes & Noble, I'll get it. (laughs) <laughs> you mean the bargain bin? <laughs> yeah, the bargain yeah. bin. But I think I'm done with it for now. Oh, and I am too. I, I am I'm jumping off this one. The when I realized that it was a dark rain book, you know, when I got to the end of it, I was like, you know what? You guys did me bad on this one. <laughs> you know, I, I I do. I feel like that's an abuse of the customer. Yeah, you know, I mean, that, and that's one thing that, and I hate to bring it back to DC because we're always, you know, praising DC and bashing Marvel, but Flash Rebirth. Has nothing to do with their with Infinite Crisis. Well, you know what I say that Flash Rebirth wouldn't have happened without Final Crisis, I guess. Right. Right. So I take it back. But you don't have to have read those books because True. you know if you read, if you're reading a DC book, any DC book you're reading today is informed by both Infinite Crisis, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, and Final Crisis. But all of that is so interwoven into the backstory. I mean, it's just status quo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you can read those books without having read them because I feel like I feel like in Flash Rebirth they do a good job of explaining why this is significant. Yeah, and honestly, they didn't explain much of why he came back in Final Crisis anyway. Correct. Or yeah. maybe they did. I just didn't get it. Well, I, um, it depends on who you talk to. That's true. <laughs> if you talk to Grant Morrison, he'll tell you it's all right there. It's all right there, duh. But um, you know, and Green Lantern Rebirth, and I com- I keep comparing it to that because you know it's reborn. It's meant to be compared, right? Honestly, it, it begs the comparison. And Green Lantern Rebirth was its own thing, wholly. You yeah. know, um, it, in fact, just like Flash Rebirth, it's kind of hard to place it in the universe because you see characters. You know that aren't necessarily where they're at in the normal in the regular continuity, right? And whereas Captain America Reborn, you know, it's not friendly to new readers. You know, it's got, uh, you know, Spider Man in a black costume, but it's not Spider Man. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got Ares, God of War, instead of Thor. You know, and and you're getting such little background on what they are and who they are. It just, it really just doesn't. It's not new reader friendly, and it's not existing reader friendly because I love Brubaker, I love Cap, and I'm still not buying the rest of the series. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We're done. We're done. Captain Adios, America. Captain, Captain America Reborn. You're dead to us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I will pick up Captain America White whenever the hell that starts. Yeah, yeah. We'll I'm see. sure it'll be sometime. You know, never. but what else did you read did you read something good this week i did Uh, you know based on your recommendation i picked up the first three issues of image comics chew chew Uh, you had uh, recommended chew a couple of episodes ago 
and it's by John Lehman and Rob Guillory. Uh, issues one and two have done so well, they're already in their second printing. And I think you were telling me that you haven't even been able to get a copy of issue two. Yeah, which is sad, because I'm supposed to be interviewing John Lehman uh, for <laughs> our site, Ideology of Madness. Uh-huh. And uh, every time I talk to him, he's like, hey, are, are you able to talk? And I said, yeah, sure, You know, just let me know whenever you're available. By the way... I've only read issue one because I can't find issue two or issue three because every place I go sells out of them. Uh, and maybe I'll just order them online, you know, so I can yeah. get them. Well, I, I, I've read issue one, most of issue two, and obviously I haven't read issue three yet. Um, I really like the book. Um, I think that it is, it's an awfully interesting con- concept. You know, the fact that he can, you know, consume something, bite something, chew something, and, uh, figure out where it's been, who's touched it, yada, yada. You know, it's that, that, that cybopath. Is that what he's called? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Cybopath, cybopathic, cybopath, whatever. Not sure how to pronounce that cybopathic, but I'm not sure if that's the correct pronunciation. Um, there's only a couple of things that I don't care for about the book. Um, I, I don't care for some of the, uh, the artistic style. Mm -hmm. It's, it seems like it's not taking itself seriously enough. And I understand that there's a lot of tongue in cheek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in, in, in the book, but you know, there's, there, there are some rather serious concepts and it's just, you know, almost rather zany, uh, sort of art style to the book. And I, I, I don't care for that. Um, particularly like, uh, uh, there's some other things that, that he does. The artist, who I guess is Rob Guillory. Mm-hmm. I, again, I, I like some of it. I dislike a lot of it, though, um, as far as the, the way it's drawn. He darkens the eyes for some reason. He will show the entire you know, eye region as just black, and then the eyes are white. Mm-hmm. And he, he seems to do that to show surprise or... Uh, uh, you know, fear or something like that. And there's this one scene where he's, he's dark in the eyes so much. It's like the guy's wearing sunglasses, but you know, he's not wearing sunglasses. He, the way he, he demonstrates some action. Like there is a scene where a meat cleaver is thrown at a guy and he has put, you know, little motion lines to show that it's going. And maybe this is more of a colorist issue, but the way it's colored, it doesn't look like it's flown through the air. It looks like something like a board is attached to it. Um, there and so that's kind of the thing that I don't care for about the art. I, one one additional thing I don't care for about the art is the way blood is is shown. It doesn't look like liquid. It looks like worms in a, in a lot of in a lot of scenes. It just doesn't look like it's a fluid. Uh, so that's something I don't care for. I don't care for how uh, crass the book tends to be. Like you know. Putting a, a you know a booger <laughs> in, in a sandwich, you know, and and there there are some deliberate you know hey let's gross the reader out kind of moments, and while I appreciate that, and I think some of it's kind of interesting, uh, some of it's just a little over the top. This is not a book I recommend reading while you're you know eating breakfast, as I was doing this morning. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that said, I don't want I don't want to color that. I don't, I don't want anybody to walk away going, ooh, I'm not going to get Chew, because Chew is really good. It is an awfully fresh approach to, uh, you know, the, the, the crime story, you know, trying to catch serial killers, that kind of thing. One of the things that I, took me a second to kind of wrap my head around is that this is a world where uh, 
the avian flu turned into something maybe a little bit more than it did here. And <clears throat> poultry, for instance, was illegalized. You could not, you know, kind of like prohibition in the 20s, um, you couldn't, you can no longer buy chicken at a restaurant. You know, chicken is illegal. And so these illegal chicken shops <laughs> and restaurants have popped up. And so the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, has become the largest crime agency in the world. Kind of weird. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I, I, I kind of toy with would I enjoy the story more if it was played a little more straight, if it was more a world like our own where the, you know, crime detective, you know, the, 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 the main character, uh, Agent uh, John Chu. John Chu, yeah. yeah. Or Tony if, Chu. Yeah, Tony Chu. If Tony Chu were, like, working for the FBI, you know, and hunting serial killers that way, I'm, I'm like, how, would, I, would I enjoy this more that way or – do I is is the world that you know layman shows uh, something that I'm going to like better, and I'm, I'm kind of playing with that. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I I'm willful when I'm reading, and I will argue in my head with the writer about the choices that he's made, and so I'm not sure yet what I think about it uh, in terms of the setting. But I can tell you that it is awfully damn interesting. Um, I am entertained by the book despite being grossed out by the book. Um, it reminds me in certain ways uh, the way the story is told in Bad Dog, also an image comic. Um, and I stopped reading Bad Dog because of how crass it was. And I just, I didn't care for, you know, the language. I didn't care for, uh, you know, just how graphic in terms of, of its comedy that it was. And so I, I'm kind of on that, on that edge. Again, really like the book do have some kind of creative uh, disagreements with the book. Gotcha. You know, and I actually, again, I'm only an issue one. Right. Um, but I, I, I enjoyed it. And, yeah, the art, I, I like that kind of stylized art. It reminds me a bit of uh, Jim Mafood. Mafud? Uh-huh. Mafood. Um, Mafood. You know, it, it's it's very, very busy. Yes. Uh, you know, which is, you know, there, there's lots of things <laughs> hidden in the panels and I've always kind of been interested in things like that because, you know, it's one thing to have beautiful art, like a Justice League, uh, right. Cry for Justice. And it's another thing to have interesting art that has a lot that you can look for behind the scenes. I guess maybe it's just because, you know, I, I liked Where's Waldo books as a kid. I like looking at a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I enjoy some of the little hidden things in the panels. Um, if you've read on the blog before, you know, I, I like things like... Um, what is that? Uh, the one from uh, SLG, the the one about the uh, evil cat. I um, uh, it escapes me. <laughs> we'll edit uh, this part out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but anyway, so I I really like that kind of busy art uh, style. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, I think I there's a place for it, and you're right. You know, I I think a little more seriousness couldn't have hurt the title. I think it might actually help because you know I like the humorous interactions between characters. Right. But I think some of the story loses a little bit of its impact because characters are drawn like caricatures. And right. Because, you know, you, you see the guy, you know, from who looks like from Scotland Yard with the big bushy mustache. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it loses a little bit of its impact that way. I think, you know, I, I do like the... 
idea about the avian flu and the chicken being outlawed. I think, you know, it's a little far-fetched, but at the same time, I, I appreciate its uniqueness. Right. Um, you know, I, I do enjoy the book, and if I can get my hands on the rest of it, I will. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll be picking it up in trade. Well, and, you know, uh, just, just to touch briefly on the artwork, uh, you know, just glancing at issue one right now, there are some very effective panels in issue one. But at the same time, I, then, I, then I flip over to a page and it's got the, the black eye thing where, again, uh, like the character that you're referring to with, the, you know, the mustache and the beret and, mm-hmm. um, you know, looks like he it looks like he's from Scotland Yard. He's got a monocle in one yes. eye. And the other eye is so blackened out, it looks like he's got an eye patch on, you know, as a, and it's just, it, 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 to me, it looks like a shortcut that the artist has taken and it's not an effective shortcut because in every panel, regardless of where the light is hitting, it looks like he's wearing an eye patch. And I, I don't, what you're saying. and I don't think he's actually wearing an eye patch. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Yeah, and so, and he does that a couple of times. I mean, like, like I said in the in the scene where uh, the guy gets the meat cleaver to the head, all of a sudden he's got these you know sunglasses on his face. You know that that's the way that 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 panel is kind of rendered. And you know, I'm, I know that's supposed to show surprise, but it, it doesn't do that effectively. It it um, it, um, it looks it, it was enough to where I said. You know, what is that? What's all of a sudden on his face? Well, that's a meat cleaver in his face, but what happened to his eyes? (laughs) But but other than that, I mean, and I'm nitpicking about some of those things, but I really liked it. And like I said, I've got issues one through three here, and I'll be picking up issues four and five, because it's a five-issue miniseries. And I do like the name of of this series, Taster's Choice. Kind of cracks me up. (laughs) But yeah, I, I, Chew, Chew is a definite buy. There is just some, some minor things. And, you know, I, we're a podcast, so of course we blow up everything we talk about. But <laughs> the, the criticisms that I have are minor. The art, in some points, yeah, there are disagreements with it, but there are some points where it really impresses me. Like, the, you know, the scene where he takes a bite of his soup in the first issue and he has a flashback of, yes. you know, everything that went into the soup and everyone who touched it. I thought that was a pretty amazing spread. It's a two-page spread yeah, and it with is. about a thousand panels. It's awfully effective. It's awfully effective. So, you know, if you're looking for something different, you know, pick up Chew. Yeah. Um, you know, also from Image Comics that I read this week was Tyrese Gibson's Mayhem, number one. Tell me about Mayhem, Paul. I, sh- I shall tell you about Mayhem. You know, it, there's been a, a little bit of hype if you, you know, follow that if you follow Tyrese or if you follow, you know, um, what he's been doing with the, with the title, you know, when Transformers came out back in July, I think Transformers two, you know, every time Tyrese did an appearance for it, for the movie, he talked about his comic book, you know, he's really been hyping this comic book, you know, and, uh, he even had a, a little premiere party for the comic book over in Hollywood where they do cool things like that. Um, you know, I picked up the first issue today. I thought I'd give it a shot, you know. Uh, it, it seemed a little, you know, generic based on the preview that I, you know, the previews that I saw. You know, it's just a, a guy in a mask with two guns. And how many times did we see that in the late 90s, early 2000s? You know, even right. Black Panther, you know, <laughs> basically, you know, he wore the trench coat and had two guns. <laughs> um, you know, and so, and because of that, the the issue itself does feel like a late 90s, early 2000s book. 
quite a bit, actually. Hmm. Um, you know, if you liked books around that time, you know, some of the, in fact, I would say, you know, some of the image comics or, um, when Rob Liefeld left, he started Awesome Comics, Maximum, maybe Maximum was what mm-hmm. it was called. Um, it it feels a lot like one of those types of books, like um, Bloodshot, I think it was. In right. fact, the character looks like Bloodshot with the red mask um, and the the guns. He just doesn't have a cybernetic arm. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, in fact, the art is a lot like Dan Fraga, if you, if you know who I'm talking about. You know, he worked a lot on on tales like this back in the 90s just a uh, you know not a super fancy style you know a little bit of a little bit of a mcfarlane-esque grittiness to it right um you know the book itself you know i thought it was okay it's not bad surprisingly um and i say surprisingly because i keep comparing it to some of the 90s books that you know let's be honest that's the reason that comics kind of you know, one of the reasons comics took a bust in the 90s was because there was a flood of crappy books. Right. You know, with fancy covers. Right. Um, I, I did actually enjoy it. You know, at first I was kind of rolling my eyes. It's a, you know, he's a, an assassin or a vigilante or something, but he also hides out in a church. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it reads like an action movie in the making more than like a superhero comic. Oh, really? Yeah, I will say the ending actually surprised me. It has an end, you know, the ending of the first issue was actually a bit of a surprise. I did not see it coming. And, you know, if it wasn't for the ending, I might have just written this comic off as kind of generic, kind of cliche. Probably wouldn't have picked up issue two. But, you know, the the ending I thought was interesting enough. And it's it's like, you know, one of those twists that you would see in an action film that kind of interested you for the rest of the story. You know, that I, I think I will give it another shot for issue two. So, you know, I, I think Image Comics is really doing some interesting stuff. You know, between Two and Mayhem, they're really trying a lot of new titles out. Yeah. Well, um, and, you know, I think Bad Dog, which I blogged about before on the site, um, is also a, a kind of a different kind of book for them. And while I dropped it, it was just a matter of personal taste. It wasn't that it was a bad book. It was just, you know, it wasn't appealing to me, but, you know, I, I know there are a lot of people out there who absolutely love Bad Dog, you know, and I think you're right. Image is trying some different stuff and kudos to them. They've actually got some really good writers and some really good artists. So there's, there's some nice pairings going on there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and they, you know, it's got an ad for two at the back. It's also got an ad for a couple of other interesting looking series, you know, um, that I may check out. So overall, Mayhem number one, it's three bucks. It's probably worth a pickup if you're interested in that kind of storytelling. Right. You know, like I said, a late 90s type storytelling. Um, if if you're into action films, i definitely check it out. But if you're looking for something unique and different, pick up Chew instead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I finished up War of Kings this week. Uh, War of Kings number six came out, wrapping up the uh, War of Kings great big story arc in Marvel's space books. And I won't go into detail on it because we, we talked about War of Kings in, in greater detail in a previous episode. But I will say that it ended with a bang. And I'm not ruining anything, but yeah, stuff blew up. One of the, the key things about the book is you know this story arc started at one place. And we ended up somewhere completely different. There's uh, a lot of changes in the scenario. So, you know, there's a brand new status quo 
in the Marvel Space Book. So if you like those kind of cosmic stories and you like the you know characters like the Kree and the Shi'ar and all those characters that play in there like Guardians of the Galaxy, pick up War of Kings number six. Uh, it was an awfully darn good read. Now this is almost like the I, without you know sticking too much on it. This is almost like the third part of a, a trilogy, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, because you had Annihilation, Annihilation, Conquest, and now uh, War of Kings. Now, are they are they relatively tied into each other? You know, they refer to each other, but I I do think that you could read one without having read the other. Ah, uh, I think gotcha. you could pick up War of Kings and, and understand readily. One thing that I do commend Marvel on is on the first page of all of these books, they kind of talk a little bit. They'll have you know a couple of paragraphs about what's gone before. So you know you really can jump into these books and understand you know what's at stake and who these guys are. Um, one of the things you know I, I was never really interested in characters like uh, Ronan the Accuser. You know, mm-hmm. he was just, he was that, that big Cree judge and yeah, I was just, he, he always looked cool and I was never pleased with the way he's been written. But ever since, you know, Abnett and Lanning have been writing these characters, they are fantastic. You know, I've never enjoyed characters like, you know, Star-Lord and Adam Warlock as much as I'm enjoying in these books. Now, you know, obviously I, I love the Jim Starlin run on Adam Warlock way back when, but... In the, these guys, these characters are being used better now than they have been in really decades. So a big thumbs up on, on the Abnett and Lanning books there at, at, at Marvel Comics. Well, you know, one thing I also want to touch on, which is still getting ramped up, is issue two of five of Sir Edward Grey, Witchfinder, which I, I did, you know, I've talked about issue one previously. Uh, I just want to touch briefly on issue two. I thought it was really good. Uh, you know, it, it, it is, a, you know, you see the Mike Mignola cover, you see from the pages of Hellboy at the top of it. I haven't read Hellboy in years. Even if you haven't read Hellboy, damn good book. Really, really good. Um, you know, the art is a little Mignola influenced, but different enough that it doesn't feel like a copycat. It, it's, it's a supernatural Victorian era detective. Uh, so it's it's almost like a, a Sherlock Holmes with even more supernatural influence. You know, he he talks to ghosts. Um, you know, there's a demon hunting people on the streets. Really, you know, the I, I really have enjoyed what I've read of the series so far. I guess this isn't his first appearance, but I just thought I'd give it a shot, see how I, I enjoyed it. It's really really good well and, um, and i have meant to pick it up and just keep forgetting to do it <laughs> yeah you know i mean if you're if you're a wait for trader person i'd say this is definitely one you know to pick up when it comes out in trade if if you do pick up comics and floppies go ahead and pick up the first two issues i really yeah. think there's a lot to like in this um you know and whether you're familiar with the hellboy you know uh universe or not you're gonna find a lot to like if as long as you're a fan of Victorian era detectives, you know this feels like, you know, when everyone was looking forward to Van Helsing when the movie came out, you know, because it was this, you know, old timey London and Van Helsing looked so cool, and then the movie came out and everyone hated it. <laughs> you know, th- this feels like you know what it could have been. You know, had it taken itself seriously, you know, and it's kind of a slow burn. 
really a lot to like in this book. Right. Uh, Edward Grey, Witchfinder, uh, Dark Horse Comics, and it's issue 205. And unlike Captain America Reborn, issue 2, something moves forward in this issue. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Well, um, I picked up this week Final Crisis Aftermath Run, book four of six by uh, Matt Sturgis. Mm-hmm. And again, I, 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 I've harped on this before. I am a Matt Sturgis fan. Rather enjoyed this book just as a refresher. It is a B-level supervillain associated with other B-level supervillains. And you kind of get to see the inner workings of how those guys all work together. And the character is really evolving. And I can't help but wonder if um, this character isn't going to step up some. You know, he's really on a hunt to become, you know, a better supervillain. Uh, and you know has done a rather effective job in taking out some of the other guys around him. It, it, it's written rather tongue in cheek. You know, Matt Sturgis is really good about doing those kinds of things, and it's awfully good. It's it's another pretty book from DC Comics. You do get to see some rather graphic violence, like you know. Uh, the main character makes the mistake at the end of last issue, leaping out of a third story window, but you know, he's not invulnerable like Superman or anything. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, hits the pavement and knocks out half his teeth and breaks his jaw. (laughs) And so he's, you know, running around the whole book, missing teeth and with a broken jaw and, you know, uh, kind of, kind of amusing about that. So, uh, an awfully good book again, uh, Matt Sturgis and, uh, Williams, the second, Williams the second is Freddie Williams the second. God, how I miss that? Uh, one <laughs> character that I'd like to point out that I really grooved to in the book was one of the other uh, super villains called Brown Recluse, and he's got you know three arms and whatnot. It, I he is drawn so well. I, I want to see more of him. I want to see more of that character. I'm I'm not sure that we're going to based on some unfortunate circumstances within the book, <laughs> but uh, it, awfully awfully good book. Well, very so, cool. There you go. So, you know, there are some some diamonds in the rough this week. It sounds like you know we 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 did read some good stuff, and uh, but overall, I thought it was kind of a mediocre week. And I only picked up five comics, which is unusual for me. Right. You know, usually I pick up more in the eight to ten range, mm-hmm. but you know, and this is trying new things like mayhem, right? And and Witchfinder. So. Oh, well, maybe next week. Maybe next week will will hurt my wallet more. Now, speaking of getting into new titles and, you know, I talked a little bit about, you know, funds and things like that. This week on Newsarama, there was a two-part interview, uh, which we will be interviewing him as well, with Rance Morsley. I hope I pronounced that right. If I didn't, I do apologize. And um, he is heading up the Longbox Project. Which, short, long story short, is an iTunes for comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, you know, they have their own subsidiary type uh, format. Like iTunes, I think, has the MP4. Well, is that the, you know, they have their own format for their uh, audio files. Right. Um, and I apologize. Rance Hosley. Rance Hosley. And again, I still may have pronounced it wrong. <laughs> but, um,. You know, so it, but it's it's an online tool. You can buy your comics, and instead of a four nine or a three ninety nine two ninety nine price point, they're talking about a ninety nine cents price point. 
yeah. um, per comic. They're also talking about if you buy every issue of a particular run, you automatically get a voucher for the trade paperback edition when it comes out in trade mm-hmm. um, of that run or series. Uh, lots of interesting things. Subscription formatting. Um, you know, you can just subscribe to something every month, and you know, you you may have paid twelve dollars for a year rather than thirty six or forty two. Right. Forty eight. <laughs> 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 you know, I, I'm super excited about it, and we are going to be talking to Mr. Hosley sometime in the next week or two. It sounds like I'm I, I'm excited about the prospect. Now, one thing I did try last night, you know, I have um, I bought a, a DVD of The Amazing Spider-Man, I think issues 1 through 500. Oh, yeah, I've seen that DVD. Yeah, Marvel was big on that a couple of years ago. I think yeah. they did one for The Avengers and Fantastic Four. Right. Um, There's one out there right now for, you know, all the Star Trek comics ever printed except for the IDW ones. that are. That and are I really new. want that one, too. Same here. I, I, I'm burning for it. I'm aching for it, Paul. <laughs> and that one's cheap, too. That one's only like 20 bucks, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas the Spider-Man one was a little more expensive. Again, though... I have a hard time, and it's just, I don't know if it's just me, I have a hard time reading comics off of my computer. Yeah. Uh, do you find the same? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't enjoy reading PDFs on the computer screen. You know, there are very few web comics that I follow, strip, strictly for the fact that that's not how I, I enjoy my comic books. Um, I, it's not a format that I, that I groove to. Now, I do enjoy them on my iPhone. If I was somebody that had like the Sony Reader or the Amazon Kindle, I think I'd be all over that, you know? Yeah. But um, because the format would be similar. But, you know, I would have to turn my monitor <laughs> you know, <laughs> to be able to enjoy it the, the, the way I want to enjoy it. Um, I, I, you know, I use Iverse Media on my iPhone and I've got many, many comics on there. And I think it's a great way to explore comics and to uh, take comics with you. I'm, I'm excited about where comics are going in digital media, but I, I think there's some things that really need to happen uh, as we move along. Now I got a question for you cause I didn't read the, the article on newsarama. Okay. Um, is Longbox going to be coordinating with other publishers or are they going to be running their own pu- publisher, their, their own comics? Now they haven't announced you know all their publishers yet. Um, they are, you know, they're going to be running with other with other publishers. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, I think they they've announced one or two. I think including Boom Studios and maybe Dark Horse. I, I can verify that here in just a minute. So you know they're going to be incorporating other publishers, right? Uh, in fact, they I'm sorry, they've announced. Silverline, which uh, is an imprint of Image Comics, uh, Dable Brothers, which is owned by Scholastic, I think, or Hewlett Packard, or not Hewlett Packard, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know. But uh, they, you know, they do a lot of the uh, adaptations of novels. Right. Um, Archaea Studios, Top Cow, and Boom Studios so far, and those are just the ones they've announced. Right. Um, you know, then there are others that they have. You know non-disclosure agreements with that they can't announce just yet. Sure. Uh, but I, I think, you know, I don't think they're going to get Marvel because Marvel has their own digital subscription service. Right. They may get DC. I don't know. It would be great if they could. Now, obviously, based on this, they may get Image Comics as a whole, uh-huh. you know, based on what I'm seeing. I don't know if, how that'll work with the creator-owned aspect of Image Comics. Right. But, 
you know, so basically, you know, it would be like buying all these comics and you could actually try something different mm-hmm. because it's about a third or fourth of the price. Right. Um, again, you know, and they are working on it sounds like they're working on incorporating you know, the you know, doing long box not just for reading off of your computer, but they are working, you know, to make the format readable on, like you mentioned, the Kindle or right. the Sony Reader, the PSP. Um, they mentioned reading it off of your Xbox. You know, you can download yeah. these files to your Xbox and, you know, flip using the uh the shoulder buttons on your Xbox controller. Now, you know, I really think that digital comics need to be a little bit more integrated with our paper comics. And one of the things that I'd like to see is, you know, if I buy my copy of Spider-Man, that it gives me a digital copy with it. You know, not saying that there is a disc in the book, but that, okay, you bought this this amazing Spider-Man. Now you take the code that's in your comic book, and then you can also have it on your, on your uh, computer. And I understand that the, the guys that, you know, run the digital side of things need to make a buck. So maybe it's normally 99 cents and it costs a quarter, you know, if you bought the print book. But, yeah. you know, right now there are actually comics that I make the choice of. I'm just going to get that on Iverse Media. I'm not going to buy that in print. I do that with Atomic Robo. Which is great. You know, honestly, I've, I'm only familiar with digital comics, like I mentioned, through the Amazing Spider-Man uh, for, you know, format, which I think is all PDF. Right. You know, and I'm familiar with CBR files. Um, for those who are not familiar with CBR, CBZ files. Those are primarily you know, the, the comic book uh, format, on, the digital comic book format of choice for, digital, for piracy, for yeah. comic book piracy. You know, when, they, when they put comics online... They usually do it in a CBR format, and honestly, it's pretty much just like reading a PDF. Someone scans in a comic, and it's scanned in that CBR format, which is like a TIFF or a PDF format, you know, a multi-page comic book. I I, I just don't like that experience. Like you mentioned, if it was something like a Kindle, I think I'd be all about it. You know, I need something that I can take to bed. I don't want to – I don't like to sit with my laptop in bed. Sure. Um, You know, I sit on the couch, but not in the bed. And something that's easy to just tote around with you, like a book is. You know, when I travel, and you know, I travel a lot for work, you know, I love having my iVerse comics on my iPhone. Because, yes, I'm waiting for the airplane, I can read it. As I'm waiting for a meeting to start, I can read it. Um, but, you know, the Kindle would be, you know, something like the Kindle or the Sony Reader would be so much better. I remember I was looking at uh, one of the, the DVDs that had all the comics on it. And I was thinking, God, I'd love to have that and have the Sony Reader. But at that time, the Sony Reader was black and white. And, you know, what's the point? You now, know, I was I, about to ask that. Do, are, do they have them in color? Because I think the Kindle is still black and white. I, I, and I think they're both still in black and white. You know, and uh, I, I, think, I know that there's some changes that are supposed to be coming. But, you know, that that part of the technology really needs to improve for portability and, you know, uh, for enjoyment. Because, you know, so much of what we enjoy about our American comics is that they're so beautifully colored. Yeah. And, you know, I, this isn't going to be the last we talk about this. Because I would like to get opinions from both Mr. Hosley. You know, I'd like to talk to the I, uh, iTunes or the iVerse guys. Yeah. And I'd, I'd like to bring in some... Um, you know, uh, an actual comic book store owner and see how they feel. Yeah. You know, it, moving to a digital format to comic books, you know, yes, they're – right now, it's going to be hard for fans of comic books who have been longtime fans of comic books like yourself or myself to really get into this digital thing wholeheartedly. 
But the question is, you know, let's say the format does become so good, you know, and we and they have Kindles or some type of reader in color that we don't mind it, you know, you can load up, you know, 25 comics a week or let's let's say you spend 20 dollars on comics this time instead of buying four comics or five comics you've bought 20 comics loaded them to your kindle and you can read them wherever you want right you know and have a great time with them you know how does that affect local businesses yeah you know how does that affect your comic store and, and you know if you're and like i was saying before if if the comic you buy gives you a discount or a free digital copy that's it that is that is integrating your business model and it supports both lines of business yeah but and if if like right now i mean I, I i think there's a point to be made that some of the digital comics compete with their print uh siblings I, like i said you know i don't buy atomic robo in print i get it on iverse media and you know so you know i'm spending 99 cents versus you know 299 or whatever the cover price for an atomic robo is and i enjoy atomic robo it's just i, I it's something that i really enjoy reading at the airport <laughs> yeah you know i mean i you know looking at it from a cd perspective uh-huh it is really rare that i will purchase an actual physical cd right um unless i really really like the band um I'll just buy it off of iTunes. Right. Yeah. You know, and, you know, that's $10 that, you know, the band may be, you know, seeing their proportion of it. iTunes is seeing their portion, but Best Buy is not, you know, Planet or FYE is not. Yeah. You know, so how does that affect, you know, the business? The the retail chain. Well, and one of the things we were talking about last week about, you know, kind of our, our broken marketing strategy in comic books, um, the nice thing about having like Iverse Media available through the iTunes store is that you can actually go and find free comic books there every day. Mm-hmm. Every day there are free comic books to be downloaded on iTunes. And I think that's awesome. When the Star Trek movie came out, the Star Trek countdown books were available in the iTunes store as they were being released at the comic shop. Mm-hmm. And I think that did a lot. I mean, the uh, Star Trek comics became the most downloaded comic in the iTunes store. And, you know, there's several different formats out there. Yeah. And did you purchase them from the from Iverse or did you buy I did. them in paper? No, I bought them all through Iverse. I've got I've got all four of those. And, you know, they're they're really beautiful books and, you know, thoroughly enjoyed them. I, I, I think that's that's terrific when you can have an easy way to get into a story. You can have an easy way to get into comics. And even in a lot of cases, a free, no cost uh, kind of entry point to it. I think there's probably some, some more work to be done on letting people know where they can find that stuff. Cause you still have to kind of be looking for a comic in order to find a comic. You know, uh, one of the beautiful things about Iverse media is that you don't have to download an app to run Iverse Media. So, you know, if you were just in the mood for Flash Gordon, you could go and search in the iTunes store for Flash Gordon, and that Iverse Media Flash Gordon comic is going to show up. Hmm. So, you know, you don't have to go, okay, I need to search for Iverse Media first. You just search by the, the subject or topic you're looking for, and you'll find it if there's an Iverse Media uh, uh, comic out there. It's going to pop that up in your search field. So, yeah, and, you know, I wish they would integrate that more because, you know, you go to the homepage of iTunes, it doesn't really show, right. you know, comic books as one of their main features. Right. Uh, you know, it would be nice to 
be incorporated with some of the other forms of media. Um, and that's one thing about Longbox. It's an entirely separate program. Well, and one of the things, and this is more of an iTunes comment, you know, the App Store is where you download all that stuff from iTunes. Well, um, it would be nice if the App Store was more integrated with iTunes in terms that you downloaded this app, you might like this app. You know, so it would be nice for it to say, okay, well, you liked Flash Gordon. Maybe you're going to enjoy, you know, Buck Rogers, you know, and make those kind of suggestions for you, those intuitive suggestions that iTunes makes on the music side. Now, on the music side, though, don't they have books or is it just music and movies? For uh, in iTunes? They have audio books. Audio books. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah, Well, and they they also have ebooks. They have like the, you know, the, uh, PDF version of novels that you can download, which yeah. I can't imagine trying to read a PDF file on my iPhone. Yeah, it's and you know that and that's one thing, uh, and it's one thing I would like to see to see about Longbox is, you know, the format does appear to be reading it as, in a page format rather than in a panel format like Iverse. Right. right. Um, you know, how do you overcome challenges like that? You know, given different. <laughs> you know, different ways of reading it. Right. Well, and I want my, when I, when I go to the trouble of investing in something like Longbox, I want all of that media to go across my devices. If I've got an iPhone, I want to be able to download it to my iPhone. If I've got a Kindle, I want to be able to download it to my Kindle. I want to be able to carry it with me on my laptop. One of the big downsides of iverse media, and they know this, we've talked about it, uh, is that while I can view the comic on my iPhone, I can't view it on my computer. Hmm. And I, and I think that I think that's a downside. You know, yeah. I would really love to be able to see some of those panel-sized graphics, you know, right there filling up my screen. Uh, one of the things that I also think that as you're buying these comics, you should be able to save them as wallpapers. You should be able to play with some of those images. And I'm not talking about duplicating the the entire comic. But, you know, if you bought the comic in a digital format, why wouldn't it let you use that, you know, for your personal use for, you know, cut and paste, put it in an email, put it on your, you know, as your icon in your forum, that kind of thing. But, you know, comics are a different type of media. You know, reading online, reading off of your computer screen or off of another screen, anything at any type of length, you know, it's tricky. Yeah. Well, and it's only tricky, Paul, because you've made it tricky. Yeah, because I'm... I'm That's a, uh, I, I, you are the root of all evil. Uh, You're yeah. the cause of all problems. You're the source of all stink. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, 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 <laughs> I, I think we will definitely be talking more about this, especially closer to time, because I, I would be all about something like Longbox uh-huh. if I could get over... My ability, my inability to really enjoy comics online. Yeah, yeah I you know I, I don't enjoy reading a book online. I mean, like I've got I, I just recently bought the Day After Ragnarok PDF, which is a role playing game supplement, and I bought the PDF because that was what was available first. Um, and while I have read a great deal of it, I don't enjoy reading a book on my computer screen. I want to hold it in my hands. I'm very tactile that way. Um, so I, and I'm kind of the same way with comics, but I do see the value of the digital comic. I think someday I'm going to get past being like like you said, being able to read it on my computer screen, and one day I'm going to have something like a Sony Reader or uh, the Amazon Kindle. So 
Someday, Paul. Christmas Someday. list. Christmas list. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, uh, Paul and I got to talking about how dissatisfied we are lately with The Incredible Hulk. And so we asked ourselves the question, what if we were writing The Incredible Hulk? Paul? I'm going to take a lot from what I've seen that I've liked. And I yeah. guess you, that you know that's kind of the point. Because right now I don't like what I see in Hulk. I used to collect Hulk on a monthly basis. Yeah. Um, and now I have little to no interest in the character. You know, I may pick up World War Hulks, uh, the big crossover coming later this year. But even then, I may not. I, I and it should be a no-brainer to me because I love the character. Right. But let's be honest, Hulk has been wronged quite a bit in the past couple of years. You know, the the movie, the the one with Edward Norton, was pretty decent. Mm-hmm. But the one before that, I thought was pretty bad. You know, and it just. It seems like it should be easier to write than it is, I guess. Right. You know. Well, what? I th- I think one of the problems with the Hulk is that people try to make it more than it is. The, the what what I think most people really enjoy about the Hulk is Hulk Smash. And when you move away from that, when you get into like in the Ang Lee film Hulk, when you get into the oh you know Bruce Banner was beaten as a child he had a bad father he's got this internal rage you know even as Bruce Banner he's got the internal rage and so the Hulk is really the manifestation of his internal rage bloody blah 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 Crimea River <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see Hulk beating stuff up the the parts of the Ang Lee film that work are the parts where the where the Hulk is kicking the shit out of the army. Yeah, Those are I the agree. scenes that work. And, you know, the, one of the things that they did so well in that movie is showing that, you know, the matter Hulk gets, the stronger Hulk gets. And so there's this scene where this guy's fussing at him and you just, you know, he's already in Hulk mode. Guy's fussing at him and Hulk is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And you're just like, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then as he calms, you know, there's the scene where Betty is calming him down out in the street and he just is shrinking. He's evaporating his Hulkness, you know, and that's what the Ang Lee film got right. And that you don't see a lot of in the new film with Ed Norton. True, and so very true. I, I, there's, there's, I, I kind of wish you could kind of cram those two movies together. Cause I think you'd have the perfect Hulk film if you did that. But that's me talking about Hulk movie. I'm sorry. Paul, continue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, if I was writing the Hulk, I would probably, you'd have a lot of the Hulk smash. Definitely have a lot of the Hulk smash. But I, I don't know if I would necessarily take it as just a Hulk smash kind of thing. I think you need Bruce Banner. And I think that's the problem. Everyone either focuses way too much on Banner so that you only see Hulk in a page of the comic book, if at all. Right. Like uh, the Bruce Jones run. God, that was awful. <laughs> <laughs> or you see too much of the Hulk and not enough Bruce Banner, which is happening now. Right. Uh, you know, I, th- I think you need that comfortable, you know, medium. And it- it's hard to have Bruce Banner you know, uh, uh, have a bit of a, uh, you know, like be the secret identity, but you need to make the Hulk, I think more superhero-y, you know, you need to have a bit more of, you know, Bruce Banner's the secret identity. The Hulk is, you know, the hero kind of, I, I mean, uh, one thing I would like to see if I was writing the Hulk, 
you would definitely have Bruce Banner as a scientist. Maybe, you know, if it if I were to pick it up now, he would have to go under an assumed name, blah, blah, right. blah. You know, well, he could um, be, you know, David Banner. Yeah, he could be David Banner. <laughs> uh, or David Bruce. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, under an assumed identity, working as a scientist – and, you know, transforming into the Hulk at night. And if you don't want to go the superhero route, you know, then you take it as a werewolf by night type storyline where the Hulk just goes and destroys stuff. Um, which I guess maybe goes back a bit too much to the uh, original series. But one thing I would like to do different that I haven't seen in quite a while is I would like to actually think instead of he's Bruce, he turns into the Hulk. I would like to see Bruce turn into the Hulk, but be trapped inside of the Hulk in that you see the Hulk's actions, you hear Hulk smash, blah, blah, blah. Not a lot of internal monologue when that's going on. Right. I'd like to hear what Bruce is thinking trapped inside of the Hulk. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I liked about Paul Jenkins' run on The Incredible Hulk um, that was drawn by John Romita Jr. is that he had the he had there were different Hulks. There was a red, there was a red Hulk, but they were different sides of Bruce's personality, I think. And the Hulks were smart enough that they knew what would keep Bruce Banner happy enough so that he wouldn't try to exert control and take over the Hulk. Mm -hmm. So they created this alternate reality in his mind where he was married to Betty and they had kids and all that was going on. And he didn't even know that, you know, while all this was happening, the Hulk was in control of his real body. This was right. all happening in his mind. You know, I'd like to see a little bit more of that. You know, I'd like to see an actual battle between Banner and the Hulk, you know, mentally. But at the same time, I would like Banner to, I'd like to hear what Banner was thinking when the Hulk was smashing. You know, I think, you know, it, it's, it's hard because it's either one or the other. It's either too cerebral or not cerebral enough. Um, but I think you can have all that action and still have a little bit of that human aspect to it. You know, yours would be an, an internally conflicted Hulk banner against Hulk himself, trapped in trapped in the the, the beast, and and more or less powerless to to change those actions, but always working to making those change. Am I getting that right? You are getting it correct, sir. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I was looking back when you and I decided we were going to talk about this. I was looking back at the Hulk stories that I like the best. And there are two different types of Hulk stories that I like. And I, and I really do like the old Hulk smash stories. But, you know, when they were doing those, it was it was kind of like the fugitive. You know, Hulk yeah. was, was always running from S.H.I.E.L.D. or he was running from uh, uh, General Ross you know, just trying to stay, you know, one step ahead of the army from the Hulkbuster base. But, you know, he'd be, he, he had, he had a sidekick. And I think that's something that the Hulk is missing. He, when I was reading it, I think the God, what was that guy's name? Uh, Rick, Rick Jones. No, it wasn't Rick. It was the, the, the black kid that later wound up dying of, of, of AIDS. Um, gosh, I can't remember that. Oh, I, I know Wilson? you're talking about. Was it Wilson? Uh, Sam Wilson? Maybe, Some, maybe. Anyway, um, he, you know, through the, the end of the seventies, early eighties, he had this sidekick that ran with him for a while. And, you know, the Hulk was, you know, fighting guys like the by beast, uh, which is not a, a, uh, you know, <laughs> sexually curious creature, but a creature with, you know, two heads. <laughs> um, he was, uh, uh, fighting. I, I remember one, one of the books that I enjoyed the most when I was just a kid 
was, you know, the Hulk was fighting this giant robot, you know, in the streets of New York City. And it was the, 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 uh, quintuplet man or something like that. And there was five guys inside this big giant robot that he was fighting. Hmm. Um, you know, there were stories like that, that, you know, you did have a lot of banner just trying to put a life together. You know, yeah. um, and staying one step ahead of, of the guys who are after him. But you also had plenty of Hulk smash. Um, and, and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. So I, th- that might be a tack that I'd take. And I kind of vision, you know, if I were writing the Hulk and, you know, Joe Quesada keeps calling me. You know, and I, him, I said, man, I, yeah, I'm writing for ideologyofmadness.com right now, doing my podcast thing. I really don't have time for you and your little books. But uh, <laughs> I think if I if I was controlling, you know, the creative course for the Hulk, I think that I would have a, a general Hulk smash book. And I don't think that I would write it for kids, but I think that I would make it friendly where <laughs> kids could read it. You know, where, you know, there wouldn't be anything in there that their parents would have any gripes about, but it wouldn't be writing, you know, it wouldn't be at the sixth grade reading level, you know. Um, So I think I would do a Hulk smash kind of book and kind of tell those kinds of stories. But I would also have a book. I was I was there was really kind of a path that I felt like the Hulk should have gone on after World War Hulk. And what I would have liked to have seen is that he realizes that Earth just isn't for him. You know, screw all you Marvel Universe characters. I'm taking my big stone ship and all my alien whacked out friends and we're going into space. And I, I because I kind of liked that real Conan kind of vibe that the mm-hmm. Hulk had. And I would like to see that kind of, you know, translate into, uh, you know, Hulk Conqueror. And you know, where the Hulk is going out and he's just going to set up his own galactic empire. You know, start one world at a time and just kind of build this thing. Because I really did kind of like those stories. And I know Sakar, you know, son of Hulk, is doing a little bit of that on a smaller scale. But I really would have liked to have seen, you know, Hulk leading capital ships into combat. And <laughs> yeah. I, I think that would have been fun. I think that sounds like a great idea. And, you know, going back to your original idea, it sounds kind of funny. But... It's almost two sides of the same coin with what we're talking about. It sounds like we both want some type of sidekick human aspect to the character. Yeah. You know, I, I love Rick Jones as a character. Uh, I think right now they've screwed him up. Oh, yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's not a sidekick A-bomb. anymore. He's yeah, not he, a sidekick anymore. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's like – and I, I guess that's why I wanted the Bruce Banner there because he's yeah. almost like an internal sidekick. You know, and they have – they they had such a perfect opportunity, and I think maybe they're trying to do it. Um, but I think it would be great uh, if they had Banner and Hulk as separate beings right now. Right. And they had a perfect opportunity with that, you know, in this recent Hulk 600 that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. That Bruce Banner cannot turn into the Hulk. You know, it would be interesting to see Banner and the Hulk you know, separate, you know, Bruce Banner as the sidekick to the Hulk. We've seen a lot of different iterations of the Hulk. I was talking before about the, my favorite types of Hulk stories. And the, my other favorite type of Hulk story was always written by Peter David. You know, and Peter David wrote these oh, yeah. great stories of an intelligent Hulk when, when he was working with the Pantheon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I loved those stories. Some of, the, some of the coolest images were drawn by Gary Frank. And, you know, had Hulk just kind of kicked back in a chair with, with reading glasses on. 
<laughs> yeah, I absolutely loved D- Peter David's run on the Hulk. Oh, you know, now that we're talking about it, now I'm thinking, wow, I wonder if I can get that at Barnes and Noble. <laughs> I, I want to go back and reread. I loved yeah. that run so much. Well, you know, and I came onto that run. I had stopped reading the Hulk for a long time in the '80s, and I remember I had gone to one of the old Dallas fantasy fairs. I went to one of the old Dallas fantasy fairs, and Peter David was there. And I sat in on one of his panels, and he was just talking about the Hulk. And he was so funny. I remember sitting there thinking, God, this guy's hysterical. I've got to read something by him. And I, to, that, to that point, you know, this is probably 1985, 1986. I hadn't read a thing by him. And hmm. so I, I went and I bought, you know, all these copies of the Hulk down in the dealer room. And that night sat in my hotel room and read almost every single one of them. And they were terrific. You know, they were his early run uh, shortly after John Byrne had finished up on the Hulk and, you know, Peter David had taken over and they were fantastic. And I, I ran down the following day to, you know, to catch him in the at, at his booth so I could have him sign all of those. I mean, I was hooked from then on. And, you know, I read just about everything uh, Peter David does now because he's just that good of a writer. I love the way he portrayed the Hulk and he would take the Hulk through all these different permutations, his gray Hulk or Mr. Fix it, uh, you know, goes out and, and works as a, uh, as muscle in Las Vegas for organized crime. He's got, he had his smart Hulk. He had his mean Hulk. He had his, his, you know, future Hulk. I mean, all of these different iterations of the same terrific character that I really think they're not using right, right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it sounds like even they love that, that, era of the Hulk because you've caught you've been you know you had Hulk the end which was written yeah. by Peter David art by George Perez. Dale Keown well and George Perez I'm sorry uh, Future Imperfect was by George Perez yes and sorry. Future Imperfect which yeah. was Peter David you know and they and they yeah. talk about those stories and reference those stories quite a bit yeah you know but not in the regular Hulk titles which are going on right now right and you're right but you know what's funny the the Peter David Hulk issue that I first picked up was Rick Jones was getting married. Yeah. And they were going to watch a porn at the bachelor party. And his fiance was the star of the porn film. Yeah. <laughs> That's when I picked, that was my first Peter David issue of the Hulk. I mean, not including, you know, when Todd McFarlane was doing art on the title. Right. You yeah. know, well, and that uh, Todd McFarland art was great. You know, oh yeah. Back, oh, yeah. back before Todd McFarlane became such an ass, but, uh, <laughs> Those books were terrific. And, and, you know, those are books that I continue to go back and read. You know, those stories stand up. You know, towards the end of his run on the title, you know, you really had the sense that this was the definitive Hulk run. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my only only complaint about that run of the Hulk was when Betty died. Yeah, that was uh, was a – it was a big one. It was like a 300 yeah. or a 400. I think yeah. it was 300 because if we're on 500 now. Well, and what I what I thought was it, it never felt real, you know, and I know we're talking about comic books here. Yeah. But I, I kept thinking this isn't this isn't happening. This isn't a real thing, you know, and, and it's still to me. I just keep thinking Betty's alive somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't buy that. Yeah. And I think one thing that the Hulk needs is Betty. I think I that's one thing that's been missing. Well, and I was actually fine with in Planet Hulk when uh, the Hulk had met, uh, I forget her name, the, the Earth Strong or the Old Strong. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I guess they got married or were shacking up, what have you. Um, I, I liked her. I, you know, she was strong. I thought she, you know, 
she brought a lot to the character, and I just hated that her character died at the end of that story. You know, I I, I hated that. Well, and you know, it's kind of funny because thinking about it now, when Peter Dave was writing the Hulk, you know, you had a smart, super strong guy, mm-hmm. and I don't think he ever turned into Bruce Banner at the time. At least no. towards the the Gary Not, Frank end of the run, right? He and I don't believe he did, but he didn't need to because he was smart. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he was he was a smart Hulk, you right. know, and you know he was a reader and all that. It was almost like Marvel's version of Superman, right? You know, you had the super strong character, you had Betty there, they were a happy couple. Mm-hmm. You know, he had his friend who was like a Jimmy Olsen. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was really an interesting time for the title and i know you can't retread the history you need to keep moving forward but it doesn't feel like we're moving forward with the hulk now yeah, not not with with jeff Loeb at the reins yes. I, I you know i i think he's the wrong writer for this for this title and you know i don't want to I'm, I'm not going to sit here and just slam on jeff Loeb. i just don't think he's the right guy for this book you know i've spent the week actually reading several jeff Loeb books uh on his superman and batman stuff and that stuff's great yeah you know, I just don't think he's cut out for, to write a Hulk story. And, you know, I know my friend Dustin fussed at me earlier this week for me to lay off of the Hulk because, you know, he actually likes the Red Hulk stories. You know, no accounting for taste there. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just I don't think Jeff Loeb is, is a good match for this. Yeah. And, you know, I think there are a lot better ways to tell Hulk stories than are currently being told. And, you know, sadly, I, the Greg Pak stories – we're kind of an anomaly in the the last ten years of Hulk stories because there's been a whole lot of bad Hulk stories. Bruce Jones, I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know who would be good to write the Hulk? Us. I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Okay, so now we have got to somehow liberate the rights from Marvel to write the Hulk. Or I guess I could just return Joe Quesada's phone calls. Yeah, just just give him a call back. <laughs> okay, Joe. Paul and I will write your silly Hulk stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just give us a number one. We'll start it over. That's right. Well, Paul, do we have anything else for these nice listeners this week? I don't think we have anything else for them this week. All right. Well, then we're done. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. I'm burning for it. I'm aching for it, Paul.